Okay, guys, word of warning. Um, in my episode with Connor Haley, we do touch about topics such as mental health, suicide and suicidal thoughts along with sexual assault. So listener discretion is advised. Thank you. Okay, we're back for another episode of A Chat With Pat. And before we kick things off, I just want to remind you all, if you are listening, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you prefer. Give us a like, give us a rating. Um, it goes a very long way in growing the podcast itself. Um, it means the world. So please, please do not forget to do that when you're listening. I don't care if you have to pause it, go and review, subscribe, and then come back to this. Um, because it's well worth one coming back to. Just please review it. Please, please, please. So um, into the proceedings tonight, I'm joined by the wonderful, now, Connor Sahaley. Is that right? That's right. Got me. me. (laughs) Um, Move to move, a man who's done amazing things, uh, fundraising precisely for mental health awareness, which we'll get stuck into because there's quite a few things, which is incredible what you've done, mate. And first of all, I want to thank you for all that. So welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, very grateful to be here. Very grateful. I've, I've followed your stuff very closely, mate. So I've heard many of your previous episodes and, uh, and yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. Nah, thank you, mate. Thank you. It means the world now. Um, we're going to get stuck right into it. Start us right back, mate. Now, grow up, background, introduction. You were saying before you actually were born and bred in New Zealand. I am, mate. Yeah, so I'm a Kiwi, Kiwi-born mum's side of the family, all from um, Wellington, uh, moved here when I was early age um, with my sister and then or soon to be born um, younger brother as well. Um, so yeah, a New Zealander at heart. I've got uh, Lebanese on my other side. So my dad was or his family, his parents were born in Lebanon um, and then he was born in Australia. So um, I said to you at the start, I'm still the, the only Kiwi Lebanese I've ever met um, in my <laughs> life, which is somehow a whole very dear to my heart. So if anyone else is out there that is also of Kiwi Lebanese background, please... <laughs> Hit me up and we can um, have a coffee. But other than that, um, been growing up in Melbourne all my life on the Mornington Peninsula yep. for the most part. Um, and yeah, incredibly blessed down there. Yeah. And how was your upbringing? I mean, did you, do you remember anything that kind of sparked your interest into going down this route in being an advocate for mental health? Like, does anything stick out from that moment? Um, well, for me, fortunately, I grew up uh, incredibly blessed. Yep. Like, I've got amazing parents, amazing family. I had amazing friends um, my whole time in school. Um, I was a very privileged child all the way through to my sort of early 20s or my 19, 20 years. Mm. Um, And if anything, that is kind of what led me into the mental health work and movement because I actually grew up with zero resilience because (laughs) I never needed any. Um, I was was kind of given everything that I needed in my life. Again, I was supported constantly. Um, And so as we, as everyone did, went through COVID a couple of years ago and for the first time in, in life, struggle actually hit me and I had zero coping mechanisms sort of within my heart and my head to actually understand how to get through adversity. Yeah. Um, and it led me down some really tough paths, which um, thankfully I was over to, able to overcome um, and then led me onto these next steps of the challenges and the fundraising and um, everything that's happened since. But um, I was very blessed as a child, um, almost to a detriment <laughs> in a way, yeah. because again, I had, uh, I had no armor within my, my, uh, my mind to overcome. Yeah. I'm actually, it's a little bit of fresh air to kind of hear that from someone like in a way, because you're like, you're notifying that, well, yeah, I've, I've had these great 
these great things in my life. I was brought up in a quote-unquote right way and I had a lot of gifts, but then something of such significance like COVID and isolation came along and really tested that as well, which just opened your eyes to, you know, mental health and some difficulties that way. Like it's, What was it about that precisely for you, Connor, that led you on this path? So for me, um, I, th- I suppose... I got in a really dark situation myself. Um, again, COVID, we lost work. I went through a breakup with my partner of, of five years at the time. Um, I was just in a really terrible state mentally. We, Obviously in Melbourne, we lost connection with all our friends um, and things got really difficult for me. I found myself just falling deeper and deeper into struggle and having no idea of how to pull myself out of it. Um, and that went on for a couple of months and I suppose I found it so hard to even open up to people to tell my friends what I was going through. Um, my family could see, like my mum and dad could see me crying at home most days, to be honest. Um, but I had no idea how to get through it. And there, there's no textbook out there for how to overcome depression or anxiety or stress. And I'd been someone that had run from everything in my life up until that point. Um, I didn't know how to overcome something that was pulling me down. Uh, and yeah, it took a lot of hard work to kind of find the courage to actually start building myself back up. Yeah. But um, again, I didn't, as a lot of males go through, we, we don't really yeah. know how to talk for the, for the most part. Um, even myself, who I, I feel like I'm emotionally mature enough, mm. but I still had no understanding of like, what the hell do I do? How the hell yeah. do I get help? Where do I go? What do I do? What's the first step? Mm. Um, and it took a lot of learning to kind of get to the stage where I am now. Yeah, what was the first step for you then when you're going through those dark times? I mean, for you precisely, like, were your parents quite receptive when you, if you talk to them or when you talk to them? Did you see a therapist? How did you go about that yourself? Yeah, so I, I fortunately had a cousin who recommended a, a psychologist for me um, whose name's Robert Ellery, works in St Kilda, and he was amazing at helping me out, mm-hmm. kind of kick-starting my journey. But, like, I, I remember the first two times I ever went and saw Robert, I actually, I honestly just cried the entire session. Yeah. I don't reckon I got a word out. Um, I just found myself sitting there bawling my eyes out about how sad my life was and how hard it was um, within my little bubble. And we really didn't get much achieved in those first couple of sessions. But like with anything, you have to persist. Um, We ended up giving a good six or seven goes and actually trying to understand the crux of the issues within myself and what I was feeling. Um, My parents, incredibly supportive, but we weren't probably amazing talkers, um, I would say. So... I didn't really know how to go to them. And I think there was a part of me that probably felt a little bit embarrassed almost because I was someone that they'd given everything to as a kid. Like, how could I have, how could I have trouble and struggle? Like I had good friends and family. Like why, why is my life so hard? Mm. Um, But, you know, as I think we're mature enough now to understand there's no right or wrong with when your struggle hits and what is a fair way to struggle and what is an unfair way. It comes in waves. So um, learning to understand that and accept it was a really big part in kickstarting that journey. Mm, yeah, that's a big call, call, call. Like accepting that, like no matter how you struggle, instead of like what you said, like that victim mentality, or you know why me, or what, what's going on here, or trying to find the answers, and just instead of just trying to accept it and just go through that story is just so important, especially for guys who just, like you said earlier, just run away or don't talk about mm. it at all. It's such an interesting uh, space to be in, especially as a guy. But like, what would you say more precisely that males like struggle with in precise to that in pr- relation to those things in mental health? I mean, I'm interested to get your take for someone who went through something like that and who is a big advocate for mental health. Um, I think I just think there's still this persona out there that we we need to be this strong person, and yeah. with strength comes an ability to handle 
all negativity in your life. Um, and whilst that is true, that is a sign of strength. There is nothing wrong with at one stage being unable to overcome those things. Like we don't just get born a man and then have all the tools and have yeah. all the ideas. Like it's something that you have to go through and there's no linear pathway of at 18, as soon as I finish school, I'll have all the answers or at 25 when I get my first real job or 30 when I have my first child, like it comes at a different time for every single person. Um, and I think so many of us expect within ourselves that we need to have it from the get-go as soon as we become adults, as soon as we become men as such. Um, we're supposed to have the answers and understand what is right and what is wrong um, and what is okay. And sometimes it takes longer than those first few years as a proper adult to actually go through that. So for me, I found myself just questioning everything. It's like, I don't have the answers. How am I supposed to find them? Where do they come from? Um, and it wasn't until I did a lot of like really deep internal searching um, and putting myself through some like fucking drastic things yeah. um, and challenges and events to try and overcome it that I actually started to learn the answers. Yeah. Was that, did you, would you say a lot of like going all in and leaning into those physical feats and I'm sure like exercise obviously played a big role into those things was a probably a bigger part in like you getting on top of your mental health than mostly anything else? Definitely. I think with, with anything we do in life, um, we need to be accountable. And yeah, I think sure. a lot of people, a lot of people out there have goals, but they keep them so private. And like, you know, I have so many friends that start their own little, their little fitness Instagram yeah. pages, for instance. So scared have, what people think. And yeah, yeah, you know, it has 15 followers <laughs> and it's just, it's just your little accountability page. And we're so scared to show the world what we want to do and show the world our goals because we're so scared of failure and the response that we're going to get if we do fall short of something that we're trying to set out to achieve. So for me, I kind of had this moment where I was like, I'm just going to tell the world that I like the first thing that I, the first major challenge that I ended up going down was walking for 24 straight hours. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to tell the entire world. I've never walked more than I think 25, 30 Ks is the most I've maybe ever done in a, in a single go. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to scream that this is my goal and this is what I've set out to do. I've now got 500 people on my Instagram following who are going to hold me accountable and say, hang on, Connie, you said you were doing this. Um, and it gives me something to lean back on and something to motivate myself. Um, I think accountability is such a big thing in a world that is so scary and we, we are so scared to put ourselves out there for the most part. Um, you have to just, you have to push all that shit to the side and just like stand proud for what you want to do, fail or win, no matter what the end result is. Mm. Um, yeah, scream your goals to the world and then, fucking prove to people that you can mm, do it especially and like i don't want to split i guess genders or whatever up like guys need something to work towards are so naturally competitive men it's like we've always like men are naturally inherently competitive within their genes they got to do something and prove something no matter how you spin it i think we can't forget that which also puts in a comparison i mean that's such an important message that you say is like i'm going to do this and i'm going to stick to it and hopefully everyone that follows me has a great accountability and support for me as well yeah i mean that's bloody sick that like and, and be proud of it like yeah. again don't don't shy away from the inevitable inevitable fact that it might not go the way you think it will mm. um embrace that as much as you can um like take ownership take responsibility one of the earliest things i can remember my dad teaching me um i don't know how old i would have been but it's one of the first memories i have of dad is he said connor ultimately you're responsible so whatever that happens in your life, good, bad, um, if you have a bad day at work, if you injure yourself at footy, 
whatever your situation, you mm. go through a breakup, ultimately you are responsible. You need to take ownership for the situation you're in, for the circumstances that you've been given or you've put yourself through. Um, take accountability for it, own it, and then actually make something positive out of it rather than sitting in the muck of like the woe is me mentality. Yeah. Oh, if only that had gone right. Or if she'd done this for me. Or if... Like we were talking about off air, the, 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 the stereotype that we both share clients were like the 58, like the middle-aged man who's come in and pointed fingers around at everyone because your life hasn't turned out the way you wanted to be. I mm. mean, I couldn't think of anything worse and it all starts with accountability, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, guess what? Life is fucking hard. That's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Once we actually start to accept that and understand that, the possibilities of what we can achieve are endless. Mm. Um, but so many people live in this victim's mentality. And I did as well for a hell of a lot of years. Probably the first 22 years of my life, I lived with that attitude that, like, oh, it's not supposed to work out for me. Mm. Um, but you've got to start to switch that mindset mm. if you actually want to progress to the next step. How old were you at the time, by the way? Like when all this kind of kicked off? So 20, excuse me, uh, 22 years old. Yeah, and that's an interesting time in itself. Like you're stepping out in the big wide world trying to find the answers and what you want to do. And then you've ran onto these challenges to give back to mental health fundraisers. I mean, you mentioned the 24-hour walk. So you never walked 30, like how did that come about? Like what, did that spark on? Because you never walked more than 30Ks in your life. How did that become like true in your head and became a goal for yourself? Well, I honestly... Uh, honestly, I, I was in probably the worst mental health space I'd ever yep. been. Um, again, my partner had broken up with me. I was not very happy with the person I was, decisions I'd made um, in my life and in that relationship. I had a friend, actually a friend's brother, who had just walked for 24 straight hours, yep. purely for the fun of it. Like, not raising money, not just challenging himself. He was, he was like a few years older That's than me. when you know you're mad when you're doing it for the fun of it, right? Oh, I know. <laughs> and I remember my partner at the time saying like Connor there's no way you could do that yeah no way you could do that so you know we go through a breakup like blah 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 and I was so low my self-esteem was so low um I probably was spending 80% of my day just upset at home we're in COVID in lockdown um and I was like you know what I I really want to challenge myself and push myself and try to do something try to give the world something um I was battling with a lot of like suicidal thoughts at the time um, again, I didn't know who to speak to about that. And I, I genuinely had this thought or this feeling, which I only have a voice to one person. Um, and that was that I was going to do this walk, raise money for a mental health charity, mm. and then I was actually going to take my own life afterwards wow. um, because I thought that was the last kind of legacy I wanted to give to the world. And that was incredibly confronting to think about but I was very at peace with that because I didn't think I deserved anything in, in life I had the victim's mentality I had the I don't deserve it I'm not a good enough person um, and so that was kind of the plan I wanted to raise money help some people potentially inspire one or two um, but then I would have had nothing left to give in my life um, and it wasn't until I speak a lot about like purpose the value of purpose the value of challenging ourselves it wasn't until I did that challenge and actually overcame it and at the very least put myself through something so daunting that I finally realised the value of purpose and how beneficial it is to, regardless of result, to know that you tried your best and to know that you gave something your all. You seek something higher than you, like above you, that's more important. Than Absolutely. Like you, yeah. For a greater good, 
it kind of put my life in perspective. I learned a lot of gratitude in that walk, you know, 24 straight hours. It was the middle of winter when I did it. Um, we ended up, well, I suppose I ended up walking 111 kilometers straight. Um, so it was about 126,000 steps or something, yeah. something crazy like that. Um, without sleep, I just, I literally had a backpack with 16 chicken and spinach wraps, um, <laughs> which me and mum had made the night before. I had a couple of friends who would walk every two or three hours with me. Um, shout out to my friend, Michael Jurisic, who he's been there for all the challenges that I've done. He always picks the graveyard shift of anything that I do. Yeah. So he chose the, the, I think it was 1am to 5am shift of my walk as we're walking through sort of Rye, Sorrento area. Um, and yeah, it was just that, that was the first time that I ever overcame something properly daunting mm. um and man the, the the level of belief that you get from just putting yourself through something challenging mm. is i can't speak highly enough of it because it, it honestly changed my life from a kid who was 22 years old and pretty ready to give up um despite having everything family friends job all those sorts of things mm. to a guy now who can sit here with i like to use the phrase undeniable proof that i am exactly who i say i am yeah. um that's something that I think a lot of people who battle with mental health, they don't have, they don't have undeniable proof that they're capable. And that's the reason that they fall into the trap of potentially becoming suicidal um, or allowing the mental, their mental health to overwhelm them to a point that they then can't pursue positive things within their life. I'm always searching for undeniable proof yeah. that I'm resilient enough to handle life because life is such a fucking roller coaster yeah. and it will go a million ways. Yeah, exactly. And is. that's what the walk started to give me. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing that, my man. Now, with, now within the, the walk itself. So where'd you start from? So Frankston. Yeah. Top of the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah, and <coughs> finished. Excuse me. Uh, walked to Hotel Sorrento. Yeah. That was my turnaround point. <laughs> Didn't want to stop there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I literally, um, I'd got in contact with him. Thankfully, they were on board yeah. with me rocking up. It was a Saturday night oh, when I wow. sort of got to halfway point. Um, and so I'll never forget rocking up to Hotel Sorrento about 10 and a half hours in and they kind of, I just literally, I had a pack on, I pretty much had hiking shoes. I'm wearing like, like long sleeve skins and yeah, it's okay animals. not to be okay t-shirt. Um, I'm walking to the front of it, the uh, Hotel Sorrento line. Everyone's dressed up in their <laughs> kids to go out. <laughs> And I'm just like, like this dude. See with a contrast between like looking after him, like doing yeah. something and not, not doing something. Man, I'm just rocking up. Like I look like a like a backpacker. Like I've got <laughs> this huge pack on. I just go to the front. They knew exactly who I was because I'd already got in contact. And the plan was to um, drink a beer, skull a beer, like give a, a cheers to the camera. <laughs> I had my friend Ty Donnelly with me for that little leg. The plan was to give the camera a cheers, skull the beer, and then walk back. Yeah. And um, I was like, Ty, Ty, get ready. And he'd actually rocked up to the walk already a bit pissed. Like, <laughs> I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. Um, but we he rocked up pissed. pissed right? <laughs> it's like, man, what are you doing? I'm doing a walk for mental health. Like, why are you rocking yeah. up drunk? Anyway, I love the man. So it's all good. We laugh about it. Um, so I said to him, Ty, film. I'm going to skull this beer. Gets the camera out. I was like, here, cheers to mental health. It's okay not to be okay. Skull the drink. At the front of the line, everyone's just kind of watching me. I go around to Ty. He hadn't even pressed film as I actually oh. sculled the drink. So like, mate, come on, I'm trying like I'm trying to get this. We're promoting the whole walk of the whole yeah. 24 hours, posting on the story. So I ends up getting another beer. So I've now sculled two pints of beer. Mm. I was ten and a half hours into my walk at this yeah. point. We're still twelve and a half hours left. Um 
And I reckon that was the turning point of like, holy shit, my body is in a lot of pain right now. Yeah, well. It's about 55, 60 Ks in. Um, but we got there. We overcame it. I ended up actually fracturing my foot Shh. just from accumulating too so many, many kilometers yeah. across a walk. And it was pretty hilly and like pretty like, you know, logistically pretty like fucked. <laughs> the terrain. Yeah, no, definitely. It was, um, and dark as hell. Like it was middle yeah. of winter. I think we, we walked for about 14 and a half hours of like night of darkness. Mm. Cause it was dark at about five o'clock. Yeah. Mid July. Wasn't light until 7am. I'll never forget the moment the, the sun came up. I felt like I'd been walking for yeah, was six ask. weeks. Wow. Um, and that was that. It was almost like a victory lap. And I still had five hours to go because it was 7am. I wasn't finishing until 12, uh, 12 at lunchtime. But that was kind of the moment of like, holy shit, we, we made it through the night. Yeah, wow. So that's done. Did you get the feeling of like, fuck yeah, like what's next? Even though Mike stole your darkness? Like we like, fuck, I'm going to do something next. Or was it still pretty low? Like, see how you almost taste in the mouth. You're like, you just weren't quite there. I definitely, like, we managed to raise eight and a half grand, yep. which was an incredible amount. I'd only hoped for a couple of thousand. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, whenever you achieve something like that, you get your flowers and your yeah. you know, adulation from people and people are congratulating you. But like everything in life, it passes. A couple of weeks later, you're just, you're just a person yeah. again. Um, I'm still recovering my foot in, like, a moon boot and... Um, yeah, I had this this burning feeling of like I need to do something again because mm. the walk, whilst it was a step, it was not the end yeah. for me. It was not. It didn't give me all the answers. It gave me proof yeah. that purpose and goal setting and challenging yourself can give you a hell of a lot. Um, but it didn't fulfil me to the point that I maybe feel now, having done some other things um, since. So. With everything I do and I've tried to do the last couple of years, I've never ever wanted people to look at me as someone who was amazing or impressive or anything like that. I wanted people to look at me as someone who was once very broken mm. and despite being very broken, had pushed himself to achieve feats that maybe would seem unnatural or uncommon to other people. Yeah. Um, I don't ever, ever want someone to look at me and think that they can't achieve the exact same things that I've achieved. Yeah. Um, I want them to look at me and be like, wow, that's a guy who at one stage in his life was incredibly upset, was incredibly broken, considered taking his own life, um, felt very defeated. And yet there he is out there trying his best, showing up for himself, still kicking goals, still trying to become something and overcome whatever demon it is inside of him that is holding him back. Um, the same way every single person out there has something. Yeah. Um, I suppose that's the message I wanted to send with everything. I didn't want anyone to think that I'm special. So with the next kind of challenge of moving into swimming, I was not yeah. a good swimmer <laughs> at all. Like I don't think I'd ever swum more than maybe three, 400 meters. I actually went out into the ocean uh, for day one of training. So the idea was to, to swim nine kilometers a day for nine straight days. Uh, nine being the number of suicides a day within Australia. Yeah. Um, I gave myself about five months to train for it in the pool every single day. I went out into the ocean with my friend Scarlett and we did about 300 metres. Like peer, the idea was peer to peer down at Frankston, jetty to peer. I didn't make it anywhere near that yeah. without feeling like I was going to drown. The first session that was? First session. Ah. Uh, no swimming ability whatsoever. But again, I spoke at the start about that accountability. I put on my Instagram, hey, I'm swimming 81 kilometres in uh, whatever month it was, January 2022. Yeah. 
I'm going to do this and I'm raising money for mental health and for it's okay not to be okay. Um, and this is the goal. And that everybody that follows me, you can watch me try and achieve it mm. and watch me show up every day, watch me train, watch me get better. My first sort of training videos of me swimming 200 meters in a pool. My last ones of me doing, you know, 5K back-to-back days. Mm. Um, I wanted to like bring people along the journey of watching somebody go from inadequate to incredible yeah because that's something that i think anybody can do mm. as long as you have the right attitude the persistence the discipline to continue to show up um and try yeah well, especially in something that you would <laughs> never done before swimming like the hard that's a whole different kettle of fish like yeah literally like you go in the open water i mean from that to to swimming up and down the pier you could barely do 300 meters till the, the day and the events of going through it can you take the listeners through that i mean obviously over nine k's over nine days i mean what were some of the i guess some of the things that you kind of people would look at that challenge and kind of forget about that kind of challenge you during that as well that was your biggest hurdles um look there are a lot of hurdles (laughs) there's a lot of hurdles (laughs) the ocean is incredibly unforgiving different beasts yeah incredibly unforgiving even from a fear standpoint like i'm sure there are a lot of people you might be one they're incredibly scared of the ocean. No, nah, like, nah, I'm pretty. <laughs> I, I, man, I love the ocean. I love the ocean. I go on the ocean every day and I'm terrified. Mm. I'm honestly terrified. And there was a day, I want to say maybe two months into my training. So I'd gotten good at swimming, but not amazing yet. Mainly in the open water? For yes. Us. Yeah. I was in the open water. Um, I was about 700 meters into a swim, into a training swim. And I was getting a bit naive within my own capabilities. I was out probably a little bit further than you should go to swim. So you know like where all the, the boys are, yeah, yeah, the big yeah. poles. And then, you know that, that point where you don't see anything mm. kind of past. I was out past that, let's yeah. just put it that way. I don't know why, I think again, I was starting to naively think I was better than what I actually was. Mm. And I flipped onto my back at one point, um, just to literally have a rest. I was about 700 meters in and I kid you not, I wish I could grab your foot and replicate it, but I felt something literally just yanked me under the water. Um, and I remember, I can still remember like my heart almost triple beating in my chest as it happened. Um, and I remember looking down and just seeing, I still to this day don't know exactly what it was, but <laughs> it would have been over a meter long. I remember its eyes being like the size of my palm and it was just staring me dead in the eye, like the exact same way we are right now. Yeah. And it looked like a reddish sort of color. I don't know what it was. I've never swum so fast in my life to get from that point back to shore. Mm. And uh, uh, that was also a moment of like, holy shit, this is, this is it. I'm not, yeah. I'm about to die. I'm about to get eaten. I'm about to get grabbed. I'm about to get whatever. Yeah, not so, the fact that I'm about to fail this challenge. I'm no, about to die no, I didn't care about the challenge. Yeah. I didn't care about the <laughs> money, mental health. None yeah. of that mattered in that moment. It was just, I am about to die. And I can literally still remember seeing people on the, the boardwalk and being like, just in my head going like, I should call out for help right now. But what, are, what is anybody going to do? Mm. Like this thing is right behind me. I'm yeah. gone. There is nothing. And I swum, you know, a typical swimming stroke is like three arms. Yeah. Man, I was doing like 15 arms per <laughs> first stroke. I was going so quick. <laughs> Terminated James Magnuson. Honestly, <laughs> I reckon I would have had a good shot at the Olympics. If you put me in a hundred meter freestyle. <laughs> the at the moment, so we could get you man, there. if you put me in a hundred meter freestyle, I would have given a real, real red hot <laughs> crack. Um, so for me, fear of the ocean yeah. was a massive thing. I was swimming in, in St Kilda Beach a lot. And if you swam there, there are huge stingrays. Mm. 
like all the time. Um, and I just found that was like a challenge that was really hard to overcome. Yeah. The fear of the water more than anything. Yeah. No, that's a yeah. Was there any days, I mean, obviously there's another element of the water where like it was a choppy or like the conditions where you literally thought like not just what's in there, but the actual water itself, like effluous or? Um, so there was a couple, I think there were two days across the nine days of the swim where the water was just so choppy. And there's a couple of videos. I had um, a fella by the name of John runs an Instagram account called the drone studio. And he was doing a lot of drone footage with all my swimming. Um, and yeah, there are a couple of days where it's just like, you can just see me swimming and there's just waves crashing over the top of me. Um, the conditions were tough. I, I kind of joked that I reckon it was maybe two days where I just floated for about nine k's, just, <laughs> just literally had the tide push me. Yeah. Um, or kind of the water just pushed me along. So, yeah, the conditions were tough. Swimming is not easy. Yeah. If you've, again, if anyone out there is uh, has has done big time swimming, especially open water, yeah. very very challenging. Yeah. Well, and what was the feeling like when you come out of the water doing something you absolutely hated and couldn't do on the last day, knowing that you've done what nine, what ninety, eighty one k's, correct? Mm. What was that like On that moment uh, that It moment? was Yeah it was surreal It was a lot of adulation again That last kilometre I actually had about 20 or 30 people Get in the water with me Wow um, And then about 40 or, Yeah probably 40 people On the beach too So I was incredibly humbled um, It was incredibly humbling To see all the people there <laughs> Supporting Again for me It probably it didn't give me the the fulfillment that I was hoping it would. Yep. Like with everything that I've tried to do across these challenges, like money raising has been a massive part of it and mental health has been incredibly important. But more than anything else, it's been about just trying to find confidence within myself. Mm. Um, that was the reason that I set the goals in the first place was to try and learn to overcome. And I felt still after the swim that I just didn't, it hadn't quite clicked yet. I didn't know why. Um, I what wasn't sure what. What would your psychologist say about that during life? I'm just out, out of curiosity mm. about that. You know, like you're still just looking for that little bit more. I mean, what 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 did he say or anyone else say, like from the outside about that? Yeah, honestly, he he was quite worried for me to be honest. And a lot of people, yeah. especially in my like pursuit for the chin ups last year, mm. I, a lot of people worried about me quite a lot. Looking back. Um, because there was nothing that was going to satisfy, satisfy me. Yeah, it was um, like no matter how good you did, yeah. you still thought, "Ah, oh, there's still a little bit more that I could do." Oh. Yeah, and that's that's the risk you run when you become so driven, mm. pushing yourself. Whether it's podcasting, of yeah, you kind of you're never able to reach this level of satisfaction. Yeah, because you know how capable you are inside, and you just want to prove it again and again and again. Mm. Um. And yeah, I, I didn't quite get the click after the swim. My psych, he was, he was quite worried for me. He was telling me I should stop yeah. doing these outrageous yeah. things. But I didn't have that within me. Once I'd done the walk and the swim, I was like, I need to go bigger. I need to build and build and build. And I didn't know if there was a finish line mm. with all of that. Yeah. And that's a good segue into something that, you know, which, you know, in contrast to the two events that you did do, the, what, the world record attempt pull-ups, chin-ups. Pull-ups? Yeah. Um, which you know, I was that's where I, where I came across you, and then I was like, geez, this guy, like, full credit. And it was like going after so hardcore, it was like the best, so inspiration. 
but it's so inspirational for me to see that and going after things I wanted to do. But like, so when, you know, the result of that, obviously we can get into and that and there's contrast to the other two things, but you know, why that, you know, the pull-ups and the chin-ups as well, because I kind of like the theme of your two things. It's like, I've never done this before. Like obviously no one's done the chin-ups things, but you know, I've never done this before. I've never done this well, but I'm going to make a challenge of it. What was the story behind that feat? So again, with the chin-ups for me, uh, like I've always been tall and skinny. I was, <laughs> like I'm 190 centimetres and probably was about 72 kilos most of my life. Yeah. Um, no upper body strength. If you'd gotten me on a chin-up bar, I can actually remember a few like footy camps. Like I was I was good enough to always make the like the tack cup squads. Yeah. Never ever good enough to get drafted or close yeah. to. I was just the guy that every year was like, all right, they'll drop me. Mm. And then I just kept kind of getting in. But I used to get so much anxiety on our testing days, testing like strength days, testing. Because yeah. they make us do chin-ups, like yeah. max chin-ups. And I honestly, I re- remember under 17, I just jumped. I didn't even pull myself up. I just jumped up to get my yeah. chin-up. Um, just hoped that they would count it as one. And those environments too, which are just fierce on like oh, comparison where, where you see it. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. I can't speak w- uh, lowly enough yeah. about my time in playing tack-up footy or in the programming. Yeah. Um, that was probably the biggest driver of my, my anxiety ever. Yeah. The way that they ran their programs. Anyway, different story. But um, I wanted to do something again that people wouldn't think was capable um, and that people would never be able to look at me and say, well, of course Connor can do that. Mm. Because again, I wanted to inspire with all these sort of challenges. And if you watch, you know, Conor McGregor win a yeah. UFC fight, you're not that impressed because, well, he's a UFC fighter. Like that's yeah. what he does. I wanted people to be like, there is no way that if he sets a goal like that, he can do it. Yeah. He's starting from zero. Um, I was literally starting from literally. four chin-ups in yeah. February when yeah. I began. That's why, yeah, I love that because it's a whole different kettle of fish when you go after something like that and you're just a normal guy balancing full-time work. Like Connor, Connor Scott at the Zoom mm. Network, like doing the 50K, yeah. 50 days. Yeah, Even Ned Brockman was pretty normal when he started. But people was like balancing full-time work, training for something crazy when you're a full-time professional athlete or influencer and you've got all the time in the world. Like to and the supports there. I mean, that that's hardcore. <laughs> yeah, it's different. And again, like I, I set the goal in February 2022 to do 3,139 yep. chin-ups um, in a single day. That's the number of suicides that there were in 2020. And in reality, that was all clickbait. Yeah. Um, the chin-ups was important to me yeah. to achieve the goal and to get the number and the, to taste success like I had with other things I'd achieved. But the 3139, I was just clickbait for people to be like, what the fuck does 3139 mean? Mm. And then we could start having conversations, conversations about, yeah. well, this is how many suicides. Because if I just said, I'm going to run a marathon for mental health, Running marathons is incredibly difficult. I don't want to just, you know, downplay that. Yeah. But most people wouldn't bat an eyelid if you see it on social media. Um, I wanted people to have to double read what they, what they saw on their screens when they came across my account or heard about that guy from the Mornington Peninsula. Um, and doing something that outrageous was the best way to do it whilst raising awareness and ultimately raising money, which we're incredibly fortunate um, to go through and do. Um, but yeah, it was a grind. Like, I ended up doing, like, give or take, of course. But I think I did about twenty-seven thousand chin-ups for the whole year. Yeah. From February to the December ten 
last year when we actually attempted it. Um, it was about 27,000 just to try and make one day, one event possible, mm. um, raise awareness for one organization and charity. Um, and again, for me, back to the like overarching kind of point of all of this is just to find confidence and find belief within myself, which the only way to do that in my eyes is to challenge yourself and push and push and push until you can get to that point. Yeah. How'd your normal days look like for a cheetah? Like, tra- like just to get insight, because again, it's such an unknown, like to physically, because there's one side of like, yeah, we want to, obviously it's beautiful and raise awareness and get after those things. But there's also another side where it's like, okay, if I'm, I'm, I'm feeling with you as a person where if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly. I mean, if you want to give listeners the insight to like what normal kind of weeks look like for you during those times. They were very hard. I, I put myself through a lot yeah. um, to just make that possible. A lot of my days, like um, I would be seeing three or four patients like working like as yeah. a myotherapist during the day. See three or four patients, then maybe give myself a two-hour block for lunch and yeah. working at a gym, I would just do chin-ups in my break. Yeah. Um, a lot of days it would be 200, 250, 300. I did a couple of big training days. I never went any higher than 1,500 um, in training, but especially towards the back in the last four to five months before my event, um, I pushed away a hell of a lot of people, pushed away a lot of yeah. social events. I stopped drinking. Um, I, I, I even like broke up with my partner who's a beautiful, beautiful girl. Mm. Um, and thankfully back with her now. So God bless her. But I pushed her away because I was like, I don't have the energy or time to be with someone and to pursue this goal. And this means so damn much to me to right me, now. Yeah. Um, that I need to do it. And even with like social media, I never set out to make a social media account mm. that would have followers. Um, but as just more and more people would come across the account of what I was trying to do, you'd get people messaging you every single day. Like I'll never forget a mum messaging me one day saying, um, Connor, one of those chin-ups that you do on December 10 will be for my son um, who took his life in 2020. Yeah. Um and so she d- was just saying thank you and like that. I, I, that stuff hurt me so much because mm. um, it was just constant reminders of what I'd been through and what I felt, the suicidal thoughts I felt and how that made me feel. All the people out there that were struggling every single day, like I wanted to do it so badly for them, um, not just for myself. I knew there were so many people out there that almost needed me. I convinced myself yeah. at least that they needed me to do this to overcome this battle so that they could overcome their own pain. Because that's yeah. all it was. I wanted people to watch me showing up every day and just trying to become the best version of myself. That's all this has ever been. Um, and then have the the sort of guts to actually do it themselves yeah. and, and go, you know what, fuck it. If Connor can be out there and he's doing 300 chin-ups today, I can get out of bed today. Mm. Um, I can have a conversation with my mom about how I'm struggling. I can check in on a friend. All those little things and those little little bits of inspiration I wanted to show people. But, man, the days were hard. I, my mental health struggled a lot towards it, the back end and getting like ready for the chin-ups. I want to about, about those things and going after those things. Like, oh, you have to be, mate. Yeah. That's, like, that's what life... Life needs to be honest. Mm-hmm. And if we... Especially, like, people like you and me who are guys in our early 20s, mid-20s... Um, Late for me, but... <laughs> I can't remember how old you are. You're, you're a bit older than me. <laughs> Guys in our, we'll say mid-20s. Yeah. Like, if we want to make any sort of change in this world, it has to start with honesty and it has to start with vulnerability. Mm. Um, 
And this is why Instagram, God bless it, because it was the platform that has helped me raise like $53,000 yeah. across the last 18 months. But fuck me, it is one of the worst traps in human history, you know, because I can be having a bad day, mm. um, bad day at work, whatever, go on my phone and just see 30 people living the best fucking life of yeah. all time. Pat just got married and John's doing this and, you know, Louis won his footy grand final and everyone is doing the best fucking possible thing ever. Um, and here I am lying at home, you Going know, in my pajamas. Thing, yeah, yeah. Sore as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Not feeling my best. So it's this constant world of comparison where all we have to compare ourselves to is the beautiful parts of life. Mm. And that's one thing I really wanted to try and show with my training and with my own Instagram and the way that I just promote myself is like, I don't have good days all the time. Mm. You're on my Instagram right now and you look around the chin up kind of timeline, half the videos of me freaking crying, Yeah, you know, me upset that I fell short of this or yeah. me being open about how I'm really struggling with the goal. We have to be honest. I'm the most positive, happy person I know in 2023. Um, but it came from time and time again and putting myself through a lot of struggle and going through a lot of hard times to try and get to this point. Yeah, and to be comfortable with that honesty as well. And you yeah. have to be, you have to be. If we keep living in this world of, of fake, we're never going to get anywhere. And, you know, mental health, suicide statistics, it was 3,144 in 2021. 2022 stats aren't out yet, but yeah. you know, I can only imagine it's going to be more. Um, like change has to start from people like you, people like me, anyone out there just being honest and real about the situations that they're in. Exactly. And cutting out the fake. And one of the things that you did was real was like, you know, you know, unfortunately, not that the result is be all and end all, but it may have been for you at the time was like, you fell short and then unfortunately you're hospitalized for that. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. You would take listeners into that about what the condition was again. Cause I was trying to figure, figure out what it was because it was, it, it was muscle. Failure, so yeah. So it? it's rhabdomyolysis yeah, is the go. condition. So we got to December 10. Um, I was incredibly confident, mm. incredibly confident that I could do it. Um, and I had, I had an amazing support team to be honest. Like we had, nine or no, eight or nine people that were my kind of team on the day. Yep. Um, we did it at Impact Fitness down in Somerville. Um, I remember two o'clock came, which was when I was going to start. So 24 straight hours of chin-ups to try and get this number 3139. I had it all broken down into the hours and how many I needed to do. Everything was ready to go. Um, and then I fell short. I didn't, I couldn't do it. Um, I got to a thousand chin-ups in about five and a half hours, which was well and truly on pace. And um, again, I give myself 24 hours to do it. So I was I actually remember sitting on the floor, had a group of friends around me out of the 40 or 50 people that were kind of the crowd watching at that point in time. And I was just sitting on the floor like, motherfucker, I've just done a thousand chin-ups. Like <laughs> I'm actually fucking doing it. Wow. <laughs> I'm really doing it. And that was the first, I was like, holy shit, this is, this is really happening. And that was probably the last positive moment I had during the event because the next 12 hours before I had to get rushed to hospital were some of the worst pain I've ever been in my life. Um, I basically at about 1100 chin ups started getting a cramping pain in my gut. At first I just thought it was maybe I need more food, more fluids. Um, that did not help at all. I wasn't actually able to, to piss at all. So I got to about 11 o'clock at night. So we're, uh, what were we, nine hours in. Um, I couldn't go to the bathroom. 
Um, I stubbornly didn't tell my two nurses that at first because I thought they're not going to let oh, me continue yeah. if I tell them this. So I just kept pushing. Um, and that was probably one of the worst things I could have done because it got to the point that I was pretty much doing one chin up every five minutes. Wow. Um, from Well, for comparison, like my first 120 chin ups took me 24 minutes of the whole event. Um, and my last 120 chin ups took me six hours. So like if I just put a chin up by here now, I said, mate, pump out 120. Like, I don't care who it is. I reckon you could get it done in less than six hours. Yeah. And, um, and that was me having trained for a whole 10 months. So yeah, basically uh, we made the call about 1500 in that I had to get um, rushed to hospital. I had to stop. Um, as I said, I wasn't going to the bathroom or anything. So I ended up doing about 30 hours in hospital. They hooked me up to the to a drip and, and got my my sort of kidney sorted. So rhabdomyolysis, basically a acute kidney failure. Um, so sort of my my proteins were breaking down so rapidly, clogging up my kidneys completely. Um, nothing was passing at all. Wow. And and I fell short. Um, after a whole year of working myself up to one day, um, the same way you know a, a year twelve sitting at home. Um, maybe listening to this is working their whole year to a, to get an ATAR score um, or a person is working towards their first marathon or whatever. Like I worked for 10 straight months with one number in mind that I wanted to achieve and then I fell short. Um, and it was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me because it gave me this incredible appreciation and gratitude. Um, and it finally, I finally clicked over the edge of understanding that, as I said at the start, like life, is inevitably not going to go the way that we expect. So that was the point you were at kind of peace with. It was peace. Going, yeah. yeah, it was peace. I think if I actually think if I'd achieved the chin-ups, I'd be searching for something even more. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm fearful of what that would have actually looked like because I don't really know what more fucked up thing I could have done than yeah. trying to attempt 3,000 chin-ups in a day. And there's a comp well, yeah, I often say, I think like James Smith says about his one biggest quotes that resonates with me and my, you talked about big theme of confidence is like, and it relates to mental health. It's like confidence is merely our relationship with failure. And then you form this good relationship with failure after this thing and you're like, I'm at peace with this thing. So I'm unapologetically, apologetically myself. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, as I said, it's a, it's a beautiful part about life is that nothing will go the way you expect. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I worked so hard to achieve this number and achieve this goal and then I fell short in front of... We're having like... I think my my stories, like the Insta stories, we're getting like 60,000 views. Yeah, wow. I don't have that many followers at all. Yeah. But we had so many people watching me. Wildfire. I, I had screamed at people. We talk about accountability. I told people for an entire year... <laughs> Guess what? I'm doing 3,139 chin-ups. Watch me. And then they will watch me fail. I say fail. Um, I failed to reach the number, but there is no failure when you try. Yeah. Um, and that was the beautiful thing. I can sit here today and be like, you know what? I gave it every single thing I possibly could have. Um, and whilst a number of 3139 wasn't reached, the awareness around that number massively was. Mm. The money, like we, we managed to raise 30... Uh, $33,000 I think it was yeah. um, in one event um, in one event of a guy just rocking up trying to do chin-ups just to try and find some confidence within himself um, and that was the sign of success so often we we look at these tangible things as a success or not um, but with any pursuit if you put in 100% effort there are so many little wins along the way mm. 
But once you get to the end of it, you can look back and go, holy fuck, look what I've just achieved. Look what I've just become. Um, and then once you find that, you said the word, peace. Exactly. Exactly. Now, as we tie things up, man, thanks for sharing that with us. But, you know, if anyone's going through a bit of struggle and, you know, you look back and reflect at the things you've achieved and done for mental health awareness, what would you share to someone who might be listening to this or might be going through a shitty day or a shitty patch of their life and just can't see the way through? What would you be your message, Connor? Um, my biggest message to anybody that is struggling with mental health at the moment is that the number one thing that you can do for yourself is to show up. Um, there are going to be good and bad days in every single person's life. I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I've, I honestly don't think I've had a bad day the entire 2023. And yet there's an inevitability that at one time in the future, it might be tomorrow, it might be in a year, it might be in 10 years, life will turn cruel for me again. Struggle will come. We need to accept that. And then regardless of what the situation is for our now, for our present, we have to show up. If you've set the goal to achieve an ATAR score, if you've set the goal to run your first 5K, um, to rebuild a friendship, a relationship, you have to still show up and put those steps in place day to day um, because life is not supposed to be easy. But accepting that and understanding it and still putting the steps in place to be there for yourself every other day, you're the only person you've got. That's one thing I learned when I was in COVID and you know, I lost my partner and... Um, it was the first time, as my dad had told me from a very young age, ultimately you are responsible. Mm. You know, this is your life. You have to show up for it. I think once you do that, um, the pieces really start to fall into place. Exactly right. Connor, thank you so much for getting up your time and your wonderful story and your feats, mate. Um, you've done amazing things. And Can I say one more thing, please? <laughs> one more thing, actually. I've just thought of this right now. Are these cameras on? Yeah. Yeah, they are. I just want to make one more point completely regardless to uh, to mental health. There are a lot of males out there that have females in their life who have been through sexual assault. Um, it might be your sister. It might be your best friend. It might be someone that you don't even know. Mm. There are a lot of females out there that are really afraid to speak up about sexual assault because of backlash that they get might get, um, words that get thrown out about them. I think it's really important as males that we need to stand up for the females in our life that maybe have been through that. We need to encourage those conversations amongst our sisters, amongst our best friends. Um, I don't want to live in a world where it's okay for females to go through these things and it, for it to just get pushed under the rug. So if you're a female that has been through sexual assault or you know someone that has been through it, um, I encourage you to stand up for yourself, to talk about what you've been through, to inspire conversation amongst males and amongst females to talk about topics like this. Um, and then hopefully we can drive change in a world um, and be better as, as people and as a community because some of the best females in my life have been through sexual assault and I don't ever want to have to meet another female who feels too afraid to speak up about an issue. Exactly right, Connor. I absolutely double down on that. And thank you for sharing that message as we go. But man, on a personal note, thank you for giving up your time. An incredible story, mate. It means the world to me. And, you know, you're definitely leaving a great legacy. Thank you so much. Cheers, Pat. Hey, thanks, thanks for listening. Man. Cheers. Thank you. Oh.